From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Huna Public Safety Department dispatch relayed a call from a stranded person in the icy Strait Point gondola on Sunday evening. Huna Department of Public Safety Chief Eric Hurtado explains. On Sunday afternoon, uh, our dispatch center received a 9-1 call around 5.30 p.m. Uh, the caller, a woman, said that she was stranded on the gondola ride here in Huna. Our dispatch was able to contact the staff at ISP uh, who operate the ride and were able to get the woman down within a few minutes of being notified that she was stranded. Huna Safety Chief Eric Hurtado. Joseph Hazelwood, the captain of the Exxon Valdez that grounded on Alaska's Bly Reef in 89, causing one of the nation's worst oil spills, has died. A nephew, Sam Hazelwood, confirmed to the New York Times that Joseph Hazelwood died at the age of 75 in July after struggling with COVID and cancer. Hazelwood was accused of drinking before the ship left Valdez, but witnesses at his trial disputed that he was drunk. He handed control of the ship off to a third mate and was below deck when the tanker grounded. He was the lone person criminally charged, but was only convicted of a misdemeanor. The Alaska Department of Transportation said Alaska coastal communities will see more transparency, flat rates, and increased communication as the department moves towards improving marine highway service reliability. In a release, the department said the first step in this effort will be modifying the winter schedule based on consumer feedback and suspending dynamic pricing until spring of next year. In late 2021, the Marine Highway launched an aggressive hiring campaign, hired a headhunter, and is now offering signing bonuses for most entry-level positions. The department is now launching the Charting the Course Towards Thriving Communities, reimagining AMHS program to restore reliability. The winter operating schedule is expected to be released this week. The City and Borough of Juneau Municipal Clerk's Office has launched its Juneau Ballot Processing Center. For the last two years, the city has partnered with the municipality of Anchorage to process municipal election ballots. With the opening of the Thane Ballot Processing Center, Juneau will now be able to process all ballots in Juneau, improving the speed and security of local elections. City Clerk Beth McEwen spoke to News of the North about the new secure facility. This is taking the place of the Anchorage Election Center that we used the last two years. However, um, now we get to do it in Juneau. And so for conducting by mail elections, we get to do it all locally right here within our own community. And security is tight with nine closed circuit cameras and air gapped computers in use in the building. Air gapped means they are not connected to the internet. This is something the assembly wanted to have happen. And in order to conduct elections in a secure manner, we needed to make sure that all of those security measures were implemented and put in place. So um, we had very good security in City Hall for our election process. It was a lot smaller facility and we were trying to do what we're doing here at a by mail processing in a essentially very abbreviated space at City Hall. And McEwen says to make sure your mail-in ballots are postmarked correctly. The facility is located at 1325 East Dog Way, just off Thane Road. Last week, the University of Alaska Board of Regents held an initial discussion on the 
fiscal year 24 operating and capital budgets. University of Alaska Vice Chancellor for Administration, Michael Seary, provided a report on enrollment at the campus. Two months ago, when we built our budget for fiscal year 23, um, we looked at where things were and we optimistically had departments budget at enrollment assumption at at 3% down. So we were assuming that enrollment would be down 3% and that felt a bit um, optimistic at the time. But um, the hard work of the teams uh, really across the board um, I can tell you that right now it looks like um, enrollment and head sorry, headcount and credit hours are going to be probably flat. Siri said that newcomers to UAS is up. The real suspect, su- su- success story is uh, newly enrolled students. Um, in terms of newly enrolled students, the first the overall they're up nine percent, and it looks like the first time freshmen um, are going to be up twelve uh, percent, and transfer students are going to be up fifteen percent. Um, that is just um, very exciting. And said this of the search for a new chancellor to replace Karen Carey. We're, of course, excited about our, our search for a new chancellor. We, we love Chancellor Carey. Sorry, Karen, I'm going to say it here in the report. Um, but uh, it's, it's on the street and in the news right now. And uh, in, in reading the newspaper, I see that the, the goal is, is ambitious to have uh, finalists to the president uh, before the end of this calendar year. So that, of course, is going to be a source of excitement really throughout this entire academic year. University leadership will be meeting with the State Office of Management and Budget to discuss the university's fiscal year 24 budget next year's, as well as the need for funding to address the university system's $1.3 billion backlog in deferred maintenance and renewal and repurposing projects. Meanwhile, the University of Alaska Southeast will be receiving $2.3 million to support its Mariculture Workforce Development Program. Earlier in the month, the 21 winners of the $1 billion Build Back Better Regional Challenge were announced. The Alaska Mariculture Cluster, including UAS, received $49 million. This is where the funding is coming from to support the UAS Mariculture Program. The implementation of the grant will allow their Applied Fisheries Program to grow the mariculture-specific elements of its fisheries programming, with plans to hire mariculture-specific staff to work up curriculum. In addition, the grant will support the acquisition of a climate-controlled growth chamber, facilitating spawning of various algae and kelp species, as well as the development of a commercial kitchen to test, develop, and refine mariculture products for human consumption. Catholic Community Services Executive Director Aaron walker Tolles spoke on Capital Chat to let residents know they are still open. And I just want to let folks know, yes, Catholic Community Service is still here. We're not closing. And our hospice and our home health programs are not closing either. Um, we are looking at, like many businesses, uh, the impact of the workforce shortage. And that impacts our expenses uh, and that impacts uh, our ability to do the work. Walker Tolles explained that they are also partnering with Bartlett Regional to to keep programs continuing for many years to come. As of June, through their 10 Southeast Senior Centers, they have served 141,000 hot meals. She said that's a 45% increase over their pre-pandemic meals. Before the pandemic, they had served 83,000 meals in a year. With the increasing elderly population, she said that the need continues to rise. 
that's growing faster and faster. I think we have the the fastest growing senior population per capita in Alaska um, in south here in southeast um, and it's already a pretty large population it's already a quarter of our population in Juneau it's just going to get even bigger and I think you know what we have to do over time is look at how can we be more efficient and work together to make the most of limited resources and that's a smart move during any times but especially when we're facing unprecedented crises around workforce like we are today. Catholic Community Services Executive Director Aaron Walker Tullis. Mary Poltola, Alaska Congresswoman elect, will be sworn in today. She talked about that on Action Line. That's correct. I'll be sworn in at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Clue us in a little bit on that process. How does it work to be sworn in? Well, um, I think that I'll be sworn in on the House floor, along with two other new members, both of whom are from New York State, and my family will be allowed in the gallery. My understanding is that it's family only because of COVID restrictions, um, but there's also going to be a watch party in D.C. Uh, for anybody from Alaska who'd like to watch it um, here in Washington, D.C., and then there will be a reception afterwards. For Alaskans. Congresswoman-elect for now, Mary Peltola. A little-known candidate for the U.S. Senate race in Alaska, Buzz Kelly, has suspended his campaign, hoping not to divide the GOP vote during the general election by throwing his support to a fellow Republican backed by former President Donald Trump. That Republican is Kelly Shabaka. Buzz Kelly, who finished fourth in the primary race, told the Associated Press his motivation for suspending the campaign, which came after Republican Sarah Palin and Nick Baggage lost to Democrat Mary Peltola in the special general election. For the state's U.S. House seat, left vacant with a death in March of U.S. Representative Don Young. Governor Mike Dunleavy on Friday vetoed a bill that would have raised the minimum age to purchase and legally possess tobacco products from 19 to 21 years old. The bill also included a tax on electronic smoking products that contain nicotine, which is what Dunleavy took issue with. Currently, Alaska has a cigarette tax of $2 per pack. Other tobacco products, like cigars, are taxed at 75% of the wholesale price. Electronic smoking products like vape pens that contain nicotine, however, are not subject to tax at the statewide level, though some municipalities have levied their own tax. The tax portion of the bill was aimed at discouraging people from getting addicted, said bill sponsor Kodiak Republican Senator Gary Stevens. In vetoing the bill, the governor wrote, quote, there were many conversations about what an appropriate level to tax would be, but ultimately a tax increase on the people of Alaska is not something I can support, end quote. Senator Stevens said if he's back in the legislature next year, he will pursue another version of the bill. The Southeast Conference's annual meeting kicks off today in Ketchikan. Executive Director Robert Venables explained on Action Line the objective of the meeting. Last year we were in Haines. Uh, this year we're in Ketchikan. We're all the regional leaders get together, and we generally have, um, you know, close to 300 registrations for for annual meeting come in. So it'll be quite the um, quite the showing. Our municipalities, our business leaders, our tribal leaders, other nonprofits, and stakeholders come together, and uh, we kind of assess how the year's been, and then we take a look forward to um, you know scoping out our work uh, that we need to focus on in the coming year. The meeting's overall theme is charting the course ahead. 
Today's agenda starts at 8 a.m. with opening remarks from local and regional dignitaries, followed by a Southeast by the Numbers report by Raincoast Data. Panels on the outlook of natural resources and transportation will happen before noon. And during the lunch hour today, there will be a forum for Alaska's Senate candidates. That will be followed by talks about the bipartisan infrastructure bill and the status of the visitor industry. Tuesday ends with a legislative forum and a discussion on the constitutional question being put to Alaska voters this year. Gracie Gold and Jeremy Abbott, two Olympian figure skaters, are here in Juneau to teach at the Juneau Skate Club. Jeremy Abbott talked about his past in figure skating. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I grew up in uh, Colorado, and my journey is kind of atypical for most uh, athletes, I think. Um, I moved away when I was 14 to train, which is not abnormal, but I kind of had a later bloom in my career. So I kind of came up in my early 20s, and that's when most figure skaters are kind of peaking. And after that, I won four U.S. titles, went to two Olympics. After lots and lots of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. (laughs) Gracie Gold talked about her figure skating story. And I started when I was eight, so a little bit older than some kids start. And uh, in 2014, I went to the Olympics in Sochi. And as you said, a huge honor to represent the United States at the Olympics and to be part of a rather elite group. And figure skating can kind of be an obscure sport, but I really think... There are so many places besides the Olympics that it can take you. Um, Jeremy and I were fortunately through hard work and a little bit of luck to make the Olympic team. Figure skating coordinator at Treadwell Arena, Pam Leary, said classes had began on Monday. The perfect opportunity for everybody to get on the ice with Olympians and get jazzed about getting on the ice themselves and learning more. Our classes actually start September 12th, this Monday. We have classes at 6.45 to 7.45 for all basic skills from very, very beginners up to higher levels. We have brought back our TOT program. It's called Snowplow Sam. If you go to the registration, you'll see that. And we have it on Monday nights, as well as our traditional Saturday mornings. And so that starts a week from Saturday on September 17th, Saturday at 945, Basic Skills, Snowplow Sam. And we have a special 11 o'clock adult coffee club. And that's for all the adults that want to learn how to skate and hang out and learn some fun skills. All made the remarks while on Capital Chat. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.